Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we continue in our study regarding finding calm in a chaotic world. And direct your attention to verse 6 and verse 7. I won't keep you long this afternoon, so just pay attention to these thoughts here. <clears throat> and engage with God's Word again this afternoon, okay? Verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The premise of this whole study is is really dealing with anxiety, uh, fear, um, letting it affect or influence or even control your life is not where God wants His people to be. And He wants us to live with less fret and more faith. And there's a formula here that we've been working through. How do we find that peace of God that passes all understanding, the thing that we really want in our life? And that's been the premise of this study. And we've talked about rejoicing in the Lord and we've talked about the fact that God is good all the time and celebrating the goodness of God. The second thought was ask God for help. And we did an acrostic with the word calm. And we're working our way through these verses. And we've been talking about this thought, asking God for help, the last couple of weeks. And verse 6 says that we ought to not be full of care or anxious over anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. There was somebody who once said, the widest river in the world is not the Mississippi, it's not the Amazon, it's not the Nile. The widest river in the world is a body of water called If Only. Throngs of people stand on her banks and cast longing eyes across her waters. They desire to cross, but cannot seem to find passage. They are convinced the if-only river separates them from a life of happiness. If only this. If only I had that. And you think in your own mind what that if-only might be. But if only I had this, or if only that, then I would have the good life that, that I've wanted. The problem with that kind of thinking is this. The good life will always, always end up being one if only away. In other words, you never attain it. You'll never reach it with that kind of thinking. And Here's the reason why, because circumstances change in life and circumstances might change in our favor and they might bring some temporary happiness in the moment, but the root problem stays the same and so it'll always be an if only away. Because you, if only I had this car, let's just say, and you purchase the car and it brings temporary happiness and moments of joy, but then the car wears out and the, the luster wears off, and it's not 
as fulfilling as it was in the beginning. And then it's another if only. And you can think in your own mind what that if only might be. But there are throngs of people that stand on those banks and cast a longing gaze across the water. Well, this often becomes a source of anxiety in people's life. And the Apostle Paul says that a life of peace, the good life, begins not when circumstances change, but when our attitude towards circumstances changes. So look again at the antidote that Paul gives. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known of God and the peace of God, the thing that you want, peace, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What I want to direct your attention to this afternoon is this thought. Christ-based contentment is what makes us strong, and we ought to have a gratitude attitude. A gratitude attitude. We find embedded in these verses two important words that are worthy of special attention. The important words here in verse 6 is with thanksgiving. So last week we talked about letting our requests be made known unto God, and we talked about specific prayer and how it's an opportunity for us that, that our specific prayer is a serious prayer. And that a specific prayer is an opportunity to see the hand of God and it builds our faith and it grows our faith. And whenever there's issues of life, take them to the Lord. Ask the Lord for help. That's what we've been talking about. But among the Lord help me's and the Lord please show me's and the Lord would you, there ought to be two words. Thank you. A gratitude attitude. A heart of gratitude ought always to be shown unto the Lord, even in the middle of asking the Lord for His help. Psalm 100 and verse 4. The Bible tells us in Psalm 100, one of my favorite psalms, but verse 4 specifically says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You come into the presence of God, it ought to be with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise unto the Lord. And the very next verse is, for the Lord is good. The reason is, is the Lord is good. A heart of gratitude ought always to be shown unto the Lord. Gratitude is a mindful awareness of the benefits we have in life from the Lord. Just simply being thankful to the Lord for how good He is and the benefits we have in life. There have been studies that have been done regarding this emotion of gratitude. And these studies have linked this emotion of gratitude with a variety of positive physical and emotional effects on a person. And one of, the, one of the things that, and there are several, and I'll list a few of them for you here, but there are several things that these studies have been able to ascertain or, or 
find that come as a result of, of gratitude and thankfulness in life. Grateful people tend to be more empathetic people, and they tend to be more forgiving people. And part of the reason for that is uh, because people are grateful or thankful for, for the forgiveness they've had in their own life, and that, that gratitude helps them to become more empathetic and grateful or thankful or forgiving, rather, with other people. People who regularly keep track of things to be thankful for tend to have a much more positive outlook on life. You know, the people who are always living in the doldrums and even fighting depression, many times... Many times it's inward reflection, it's inward focus, rather than a thankfulness for what the Lord has done or given them in their life already. And that inward focus and that self-centered attention uh, tends to cause the downward spiral. And so links, links have been uh, shown and studies have been done that, that show that people who regularly keep track of things to be thankful for they tend to have a much more positive outlook on life and happier in general. Much more pleasant people to be around. Grateful individuals demonstrate less envy of others, less materialism, less self-centeredness. Gratitude has been linked to improving a person's self-esteem and strengthening personal relationships. Gratitude has been linked to experiencing quality sleep and overall longevity in life simply because being thankful and grateful. It's no wonder then that God's solution to anxiety includes a large portion of gratitude. As you ask the Lord for His help, Paul says, make sure there's a good portion of thankfulness unto the Lord that's included with that because it gives you perspective. The anxious heart says, if only I had this or if only I had that, then I'd be okay. But the grateful heart says this, look, look what the Lord has already given me. He's already given me so much of this. So thank you, Lord, for your blessings in my life. Rather than, if only I had this, then it would be okay. Or if only it was this way, then it would be better. But the grateful heart says, look, look what the Lord's already done. And look what the Lord has given me. And so thank you, Lord. We sing the song, Count Your Blessings. And many of you might know the lyrics by heart to that song, but one of the verses... In fact, I think it's the thir- first verse. It says, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, life is stormy, it's rough, we're getting beaten, battered around. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. In other words, we're not really always conscious of all that the Lord actually has done. But when we stop to think about it and we stop to actually count our blessings, 
all of a sudden we have a different perspective about things. That the Lord has been way better to me than what I even thought. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. And you know what? Take a minute. Do as the song says. Even right now, it shouldn't be hard to think about it for a minute and look at your blessings. What do you see? Do you see friends? Special ones that are meaningful to you, that have impacted your life, that have completely changed the outlook of your life? What would your life be like without them? Do you see family? Maybe it's physical family, but maybe it's church family. People that are, that are, that are closer than blood in a family way. Do you see God's grace in your life? If you can look even for a moment at your life and not see God's grace, there's something really wrong. Really, really wrong. Do you see love from God? Hey, if you're saved, there's definitely love and grace. He's blessed you with so many things. Do you have skill? Do you have talent in something? What about, what about simply understanding that another day of life is a blessing from God. Air to breathe, strength to stand. As you just take a second and look at your blessings, take note of what happens. And here's the challenge when we're in those moments of feeling like all is lost or in those moments of discouragement and feeling down. The hard thing is to stop and think straight and to think rightly and to start to examine how good God is. But what happens when we do that is that anxiety begins to fade. The fears begin to fade. Anxiety begins to fade. Why does it fade? Why does anxiety begin to pack its bags and slip out the back door? Why is that? Here's the reason why. Because worry and fret and fear cannot share the same heart with gratitude unto the Lord. They can't. They can't share the same space and the same heart. And one heartfelt thank you to God can suck all the oxygen right out of worry's world. So we ought to say thank you often. We ought to focus more on what we do have than what we don't have. Or what we think we want. We ought to think more and focus more on what we do already have and what the Lord has done. Paul was an example of this in Philippians 4. Paul models this very thought in the form of contentment. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The circumstances of Paul's life as he's writing this is actually prison, jail. And probably not with all of the comforts of home. That's not the situation that Paul was finding himself in. 
And yet Paul said, in whatever state I am, I've learned to be content. Paul learned to be content with nothing in the realm of physical needs. With nothing. He said in verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul learned to be content with nothing in the realm of physical needs. And you know what? It is against our human nature to be content with very little in life. And yet, 1 Timothy 6, in verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich, that's our human nature, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It doesn't sound like that happy, contented life, does it, with all the riches? And the question that I would need, that I want to ask you, and that you need to ask yourself in this time, in this moment right here, and I want you to ask yourself, and I want you to be honest about it, here's the question. Does your happiness often depend on what you have or what you don't have? In other words, am I content and am I happy uh, dependent upon what I have or what I don't have? Or am I moody or grumpy or am I, you know, distraught or uh, is there a lot of anxiety in my life because I don't have this? And if only I had that. If I had this in my life, then I would be happy. That's the question you need to ask yourself and really examine. Does my happiness often depend on what I have or don't have? Well, contingent contentment, you understand what I mean by that? It's the if only, or I'm happy if this or that. That's contingent contentment. Contingent contentment will turn you into a wounded or a worried person. Because our contentment's not to be found in that. And Paul learned to be content with nothing in the realm of physical needs. But when you look at verse 13, you find that Paul focused on a different list than material. His focus was spiritual. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ. His contentment and his focus was Jesus Christ. He had eternal life. He had the love of God. He had the forgiveness of sins. He had Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was enough. What he had in Christ was far greater than what he didn't have in life. That's the principle. Think about it again. What he had in Christ was far greater than what he didn't have in life. And here's where many people miss the boat. We miss the boat when we start assigning value to things that are actually of no value, the temporal things. 
This is the thing that makes me happy. But it's a temporal thing, and we assign value to something that actually has no value, at least not in eternity anyway. I did a little bit of walking through the book of Philippians. And Paul, writing to the Philippian church in this letter, Paul mentions Jesus Christ at least 40 times. I stopped counting at 40. He mentions Jesus Christ at least 40 times. And, I, and it was enough to, to tell you the whole aim of Paul's thought and Paul's letter is Jesus Christ and Christ only. That's why he said in chapter 1 and verse 21, he said, for me to live is Christ. The reason I exist, it's for Christ. That's why he said in chapter 3 and verse 10, that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. His aim was to know Jesus Christ And the idea and the thought that I'm going with here is that all that Paul wanted, he wanted more than anything else, all he wanted was Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, he found contentment and peace in his life. Christ became a fountain of infinite strength when the times were hard. Jesus Christ enabled him to cope with the various situations of life, instead of the up and the down, and the up and the down in the mood swings, he was able to cope with the situations of life. When Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, he's saying this, when things are prosperous or when things are calamitous, when things are gracious, or when things are anxious, Jesus Christ is able to strengthen me. His contentment was in Christ. So, what's the point? I want you to think about Paul's assertion that I can do all things through Christ. That I know how to be content when I have nothing. I know how to be content when I've been blessed with many things, those things are outside. Those things are not the source of contentment. I want you to think about Paul's assertion, and then I want you to compare it with your life or many Christians today. We like to say that God is good. We like to say that. But we especially say that and feel that when things are good. But do we still find peace? Do we still find contentment when things aren't so good? Or is that when the anxiousness really starts to build and grow in our life? And in Jesus Christ, Paul found all the satisfaction that his heart desired. And listen, the principle, or that's the principle, but the thought and the application is, You and I can learn the same thing. Christ-based contentment turns us into strong people. Why? Because no one can take Jesus Christ away from you. And if He's the source, then no one can take your joy from you. Amen? People can, because people will betray you. You've ever been betrayed? People will betray you. 
you're going to betray other people. You're going to fail at things in life. That's just the fact of the matter. But a lot of times people are paralyzed with fear and they don't ever move or do anything because they're afraid of failing. But you're not going to stop with failing. It's going to happen because you're a person. You're human. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try. You're going to fail. Dear ones to you are going to get sick and they're going to die. Sickness will overtake you. There are all kinds of things in life. All kinds of things. But death and failure and betrayal and sickness and disappointment and all of those things, none of those can steal our joy if our satisfaction and contentment is found in Jesus Christ. And when it is, we all of a sudden become a lot more thankful people. Learn this principle. What you have in Christ is infinitely greater than what you don't have in life. Because in Christ, you actually have everything. He gives joy that can never be taken away if we tap into it. He gives grace that is never going to expire. It's never going to grow old and lose its effect. He gives wisdom that will ever increase if we ask Him for it. He is a fountain of living hope that can never be exhausted. The problem is we don't anchor ourselves in Jesus Christ. Anchor yourself in the character of God. Understand what He is and who He is from His Word. His character, His nature, His thoughts toward you. Anchor yourself in the character of God. And when life comes along and starts rocking your boat, you're not going to drift. I always think of whenever I go fishing with Brother Lambert, we go out of Homer, you see that harbor there, and you see all the boats tied up and the water, it rises and falls, depends on the tide. When the tide comes in, the water levels in the harbor go up. When the tide goes out, they go back down. When there's boat traffic in the harbor, you see those boats bobbing and moving. But they always stay in the same place. They don't ever drift out. They don't ever sink. And the point is, when you anchor yourself to the Lord, life is going to come along and it's going to rock your boat sometimes. Moods will come. Moods will go. Situations will fluctuate. It's going to go up and down. But you know what? When you're anchored to the Lord, you're never going to be left to drift. You're not going to drift out into the ocean of despair if you're anchored in Christ. So why do we have this issue of fear and anxiety and fretting and depression and up and down and just no, no stability and content? Why do we have this? It means that we need to get reoriented and recentered and re-anchored in Jesus Christ. 
We're often looking to the what-ifs and if-onlys. And we ought to live in a state of no more if-only. It's the petri dish where anxiety thrives. Rather, when those times come, we ought to replace the if-only thoughts with already thoughts. In other words, not if only I had this, but look what the Lord has already done in my life. Learn to treat anxious thoughts with grateful thoughts. Combat the anxious thoughts with grateful thoughts. And the worry and the fear and what if that and how is this going to happen and, 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 and the trouble and the drama and the anxiety and the oh no's. Let's learn to treat those anxious thoughts with grateful thoughts. Combat it with what the Lord has already done in my life. And what do I have to be thankful for? Child of God, are you living with peace and contentment and thankfulness in your life right now? Or are you antsy and anxious, maybe fearful, You know your heart. And I would simply say, if that's you, take it to the Lord. Ask the Lord for help. But in all of our asking, let us be grateful unto Him and thankful unto Him and bless His name. And what we're going to find is less anxiety and more peace. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. An attitude of gratitude. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Next time we're going to consider verse 7, the peace of God. And we look forward to discovering what the Word of God teaches us about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless your people, bless your Word, and I pray that these truths and thoughts and principles would resonate. Father, that we would understand we have such a source of true peace in Jesus Christ. And let us not stray from Him and find our true contentment and true peace in Him. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name for what You've already done. And not look with despair, with the if-only thoughts. Those are fleeting and temporary, and they'll never, never deliver as we imagine. Lord, may our thoughts and heart be turned toward Christ. And I pray that these would be encouraging things to your people in Jesus' name. Amen.